morning. First of all, let's say it's, it's very, very good to be here with those like Christian faith here this morning, this weekend, um, especially in relation to the things that we see going on in the world. Um, we've been paying attention over the last few weeks, the development of Israel is remarkable. Uh, relationship is the falls apart between the United States and, and Israel is showing some very very serious issues to come to the fore, things that we see happening in Russia, in Europe, with the Catholic Church, all these things combined, we are, we are truly living in very momentous times. So these opportunities that we have to get together in such a manner as this uh, are precious and should be viewed as such. Uh, especially as Brother Bob pointed out last night, the developments that we also see within the Brotherhood itself to be able to gather together in a manner such as this with those of life versus faith, those that hold the doctrine of Christ, it is a very, very blessed event. Our subject for the next four lessons, we'll have three lessons this morning and then a lesson uh, tomorrow morning. The subject that we're going to talk about this is the doctrine of fellowship or teachings regarding fellowship. Uh, before we get into the subject itself, uh, typically for a, a, a larger group event, uh, whenever I prepare classes, I prepare every word. I prepare everything as, 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 a, as a lecture, uh, so just to make sure that I know exactly what I'm going to say before I say it so I don't trip over myself. Uh, this, this class is going to be more of an interactive approach. This is All I have here is an outline to go on, and so... I apologize in advance if I, I ramble or if I stumble over my own words, uh, but we designed it this way so we can have a little bit more interaction, though I do reserve the right that if we need to get going on, on a subject or if comments are made that we will need to move on because I do have a lot of information uh, that we want to uh, want to share over the next few lessons. Uh, but to start off with, and we will say this also, I don't, I don't wouldn't call it a disclaimer, but all of our material, this is this has been studied for, for a long time, uh, a lot of information gleaned, uh, is not from my own thoughts, but is gleaned from information from uh, earlier Christadelphians. So the information that we provide here, nothing that you will hear, though it may, may, may be for some of us, some of it may appear to be new, nothing that is said, nothing that is brought up is new to Christadelphia. Uh, so that's I want to make that, that point uh, very strongly. This is not some new document we come up with. The ideas that are presented are not new. This is what Christadelphians, or historically what Christadelphians, believe regarding the doctrine of fellowship. For Brother Williams, and this is out of his life and works uh, on, on the article of uh, Fellowship and the Breaking of Bread, which we also rely very heavily upon. Uh, he says this, to start off, he says, the gospel believed and obeyed restores the mind to a oneness with God. And by the act of baptism, we are inducted into the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. A complete oneness in the whole family in heaven and on earth. Here is a family circle. A circle is drawn by the truth inside of which there is fellowship, but no fellowship with any or anything outside. The church, or ecclesia, is thus the pillar and ground of the truth and refuses to support, allow room for, or to compromise with the unfruitful works of darkness in the outer world. 
Now, brother, we cannot help seeing from this that by accepting such a privilege as that of admittance into the family, the circle of the God of heaven and earth, we incur great responsibility. We are no longer isolated individuals who have simply or individual uh, or who has simply our individual self to consider. But we have to remember that fellowship brings us together and lawfully imposes obligations to respect each other, to bear with each other, to help, comfort, console, correct, reprove, and with all to love each other, love Christ, and love God. And that's his opening remarks on the subject. Now we will say that there is a lot written regarding the doctrine of fellowship from our earlier brother, Brother Williams, uh, Brother Roberts, uh, and successive writers uh, throughout the history of the Christadelphian community have written a lot. It is a subject that was once discussed in great detail and with great specificity, if I can say that correctly. Um, so it's, it's not difficult, though there is some digging, because it's a subject that has not been talked about much in recent times. So there is a lot, uh, a lot of things to go through. So it was very difficult in going through this class to really choose on what we would, what we would use and what we would quote. We're going to throw a lot of quotes up throughout this class. Uh, so just please realize that we're not taking things here and there uh, that are scattered about. There is a large bulk of works uh, that deal with this subject of fellowship. Now, why is this subject important? Of course, there's there may be other ideas. This is just kind of a summary that we put put up here. I think more more issues will be brought to bear as we go through this. Uh, but first of all, if accepted by God through His Son, such fellowship and acceptance provides us with the hope of salvation. That's number one. If we are accepted by God, if we are accepted into fellowship with God and His Son, this provides us with the hope of salvation. Number two. It provides a community to bear witness to the truth and to glorify Yahweh's name. It is a vital aspect of God manifestation, both now and more perfectly, or we should say perfectly, in the kingdom age to come. Fellowship with others of like precious faith helps us to instruct, encourage, and strengthen us or each other in our efforts to please our Heavenly Father. It also, and we will discuss this, provides a, de- a defensive means to keep the way, or to keep the way of life. And there are specific scriptural commands in regard to its purity and its preservation. So, this isn't a thought of man that this is an important subject. The scriptures themselves tell us that this is an important subject, a vital subject to our understanding and our application of truth itself. Now, it is the doctrine of fellowship that helps us to understand the nature and basis of our commonality and our coming together as is commanded us. And it should be a natural outcome. It is a natural outcome for those of shared belief. And to effectively effectively preserve the truth and therefore the body of believers as a whole from anyone and anything that would do it harm. Without this understanding as to the sanctified and holy nature of fellowship, we are sitting thus, allowing harm to be done to the truth, and as a result, ourselves. If we do not understand and properly practice this doctrine of fellowship, we put ourselves in a very, very difficult situation. 
The doctrine of fellowship in application is the only defensive mechanism. Let me repeat that. The doctrine of fellowship in application is the only defensive mechanism that we have at our disposal to not only preserve the truth, but to also cast out those influences that fail to repent of error and that hope that they might comprehend the serious nature of their offense and return to a sound mind. So not only is this a, a positive, there's not only an important, vital, positive application to the doctrine of fellowship, there might be, for lack of a better term, a negative application that itself is extremely vital to this operation. <coughs> now, first of all, our first lesson, we're going to deal with defining what fellowship is. It's very important to understand exactly what are we talk about when we throw around this term fellowship. And we feel like if we understand the definition, that, that really takes care of a lot of issues in, in trying to deal with this subject. In the second lesson, what we want to get into is the fellowship of the breaks and the bread. And we get into that, that specific issue and what that all entails. In our third lesson, we've entitled the third lesson, and I hope, I hope we can get there this morning, is endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. How do we keep the unity of the Spirit? that has commanded us in the scriptures. And in the fourth one, the fourth lesson tomorrow morning, I hope that we were able to get here, we're going to deal with questions and objections answered. Um, one of those is, why do we need a statement of faith? Uh, we're going to discuss the, the issue of ecclesial autonomy and how that, that, that affects our relationships and fellowship. Uh, we'll talk about those who had undefiled garments in the seven ecclesias. Uh, the parable of the wheat and tares, as well as the application of Matthew chapter 18. So a lot of issues and, and subject matter to, to deal with. I don't know that we'll get through all of it, but we'll, we'll do our best, the best that we can. Now, fellowship. First of all, before we deal with the actual subject or the actual definition, let's go to Amos chapter 3, 3, please. These next two lessons are very very fundamental in nature, but we feel like it is fundamental that it's not, not discussed enough. Amos 3.3 Can two, and this is the question, can two walk together except they be agreed? And we would just say it's a rhetorical question. We, we, we were given the answer basically by the very nature that, that the question is asked. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now the answer to that is no. Two cannot walk together unless they be agreed. Now the first question that we have with this is what are the implications of this verse? And again it's answered in, in and of itself by the verse itself. What are the implications of this verse? The answer to that is that they, or the individuals, whoever they may be, must be agreed as to direction, speed, and destination of their walk. They must be agreed as to direction, the speed of that direction, and destination of their walk, in order for two to walk successfully together. Just think of two people that, that head out on a path with one another. They, they have to, if they're going to do it together, they have to be in sync with one another. The word fellowship itself, as it is found in the, in the New Testament scriptures, is 
from the Greek koinonia. Uh, Strong's Concordance defines it as partnership. It means partnership. It indicates, by implication, a sharing in common and a oneness of mind. This is what the word means, koinonia. A oneness of mind, a partnership. It is derived from koinonis, which means a sharer or associate. It translates as partner, part partners in the scriptures, <coughs> companions or partakers. So when you see that in the authorized versions, the word partner, companions, or partakers is from this word koinonis, which is directly related to koinonia, which we see sometimes translated as fellowship. Now, so we, we, we have this clear from the very beginning. It does not merely indicate social or personal interaction. Now, we talk about having fellowship one with another or, or directly contact. We're talking to somebody. We're having fellowship with that individual. It does not merely indicate that kind of connection. It's, it's much broader and it's much larger than that. Any sense of commonality or partnership uh, that can be found. It's not just face-to-face contact. Now, Early believers were enlightened in the gospel message and the truth and were baptized. Now, having this in common, having this in common, we're told in Acts that they shared the apostles' doctrine, which are the Bible teachings making up of the truth. We're told that they had fellowship with one another. That's a partnership based upon common belief that they shared in the breaking of bread, and that they also shared in prayers. So, four things. The Apostles' Doctrine, Fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. Those are the four things that we were told early on in Acts regarding the relationship of the early believers after the ascension of Christ and after the day of Pentecost. Now, with these we see fellowship in practice. We have here the agreement and commonality necessary so that a walking together can be successfully applied. Let me repeat that again. Here we see fellowship in practice. We have here the agreement and commonality necessary so that a walking together can be successfully applied. Now, there are different scriptural applications of the word fellowship itself. And it's not exclusive to the breaking of bread. A lot of times when we hear the term fellowship, we automatically come, come to the conclusion that we're talking about the breaking of bread. Well, that is an important aspect of it, but it's not the only application. Uh, that's the reason I think that we often see that this, this principle is misunderstood. Now, there are, there's a positive application, first of all, several positive applications, and I want to consider those. Uh, first of all, let's go to Philippians 1, verses 3 through 5. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Start in the back. I, I'm going to kind of skip around to people. I, I'd like to have some people read out loud. If I, I skip over people, I, I, I apologize. I'm just kind of picking people randomly out of out of the uh, uh, 
out of the seas. But uh, Brother Pat Hamilton, can you read that passage for us? Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Okay, uh, Brother Pat, you read that. What, what, what fellowship are we talking about? Fellowship in the gospel. What's that mean? The, the good news about the kingdom of God. Good news about the kingdom of God. So, understanding that the word fellowship means commonality, what, what therefore is Paul talking about? I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I had to start somewhere, so... <laughs> Well, it, 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 it's a horrible game to play. It's what we call, uh, guess what's in my head. And that's not very nice to do that, set people up that way. But, but what we're saying, that the word fellowship there means commonality. So they're, they're being taught, what's talked about is the commonality that they have in the gospel, or in the truth itself. So that's what we're speaking of. That's what Paul is speaking of here. He's talking about the commonality that they have. Not just merely the interaction with one another, but the commonality that they have in the gospel, or in this truth that they all have grabbed a hold of and that they are contending for. Um, the next one is still in Philippians, chapter 3, verse 10. Brother Robbie, can we have you read that? Philippians 3.10? Yeah. That I, may now, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Okay, so the next one here is speaking of, of, of what? Fellowship of what, Brother Robbie? I think part of his sufferings. Suffering. So what what do you think that might might imply? Well, I think it may imply that going through the hardships and the trials that, that Christ or even Paul had to go through in order to uphold the doctrines of the truth. Exactly, exactly. So there's a commonality that they had. They had something in common, and that was this, this suffering that they had in, in contending or, or upholding the truth itself. Um Again, another positive application, uh, somewhat negative in a sense, but, but in regards to our overall position, the truth is a very positive thing. Second uh, Corinthians chapter eight four. Brother Kevin, can you read that for us? Imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Okay, so this 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 fellowship or commonality of the ministering to the saints. Brother Kevin, what, what would this ministering to the saints be? Uh, just their their uh, focus on spreading the gospel message. <coughs> Spreading the gospel message, all and all those things entail as well as the, the, the general care and welfare of the, of the brethren as well. So this commonality in the ministering to the saints. Um, this is this is one that we hear often on, on the happy occasion, the, the glorious occasion that we have uh, those uh, baptized. We we commonly do this. Galatians chapter two nine. We turn there. Let's 
So Tom, could you read that for us? Colossians 2 9. Or Galatians, yeah, Galatians, Galatians 2, 2 9. Yeah. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Okay, so extended to the extended to them was the right hand of fellowship. And Brother Tom will put you on the spot on that as well. What what was happening here? <clears throat> well, they have examined and concluded that uh, you know, Barnabas to receive the right hand of fellowship based on a oneness of mind, a commonality, and they have endorsed him to go on and teach. Now, considering that Paul, where Paul had come from, this is a pretty big, big deal, isn't it? I mean, considering they were, there's a lot of questions hanging around Paul for for a long time. So the fact that they would actually give him the right hand of fellowship along with Barnabas means that they they were completely confident that there was a commonality involved between between, between themselves and what, what Paul and Barnabas needed to do. Uh, so again, and that's why we talk about those who are baptized, usually on the on the Sunday after they have have been immersed, that we give those who have been baptized the right hand of fellowship. Uh, we are showing uh, to them or, or giving an outward show uh, as to our recognition as to the commonality that they that they have taken on with us. Um Let's go on to Romans chapter 15. This is a little bit different application of the word. Still, it's, it is a very, very positive, uh, positive application of it, one we need to, need to be aware of. Romans chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. Brother Glenn, if you could, you could read that for us. Romans 15, 26 and 27. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. Okay, the word the word um, contribution here is that of fellowship or koinonia, this, this commonality, that a certain contribution for the poor. So and we know that they that, that in the early early ecclesia there was they would band together their resources, their common resources for the distribution to those uh, who are in need. And we know that the, the poor saints which were in Jerusalem which were under a very harsh uh, Circumstances regarding to their faith, and therefore it was, it was difficult for them to provide for themselves uh, in, in the uh, climate that they were in, uh, and so in the political climate and spiritual climate they were in. So therefore, there was a contribution or a commonality of, of resources brought to bear uh, to provide for their needs. Uh, and as it goes on, for if the Gentiles had been made partakers of their spiritual things, their needs also minister unto them. So, joint partakers of these things. Now, negative applications of this principle of fellowship. Now, as we go through, and the only reason I'm asking brothers to, 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 to read is, is, is for voice, is so that we can hear, hear clearly. Um, so, I'm sisters, I'm not trying to slight you all by, by not having you read. It's just uh, we can get get a little bit louder voices out of everyone to, uh, to, to read these passages. 
uh, the negative application. The first one is fellowship with the world. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6.14. Brother Ernie, if you could read that for us. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? So what is it telling us, brother? <coughs> it's telling us not to uh, be at one with the world, or people <coughs> Exactly. And that, that word again, fellowship, means what? What does the word fellowship mean? Oneness of mind. Oneness of mind, commonality, partnership. So the, the verse is very, very blunt. One of, one, one of the clearest verses that we have as far as is our relationship to the world is concerned. So to have no fellowship with the world, period. Not my words, it's the, it's the word of the Spirit word here. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Brother Pat, can you you read that for us? Pat, dude? Sure. Uh, Ephesians 5, 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Okay, so have no fellowship or commonality with what, Brother Pat? The world. Okay, it, it, it can be the world here. It, it also, yeah. just for the work, the fruits of darkness here. And that doesn't necessarily, there's no implication here that that's, the world is definitely a source of darkness for us, but it also, it's, it's, it's worse than darkness in general, which we'll talk about uh, later on in our lessons. Uh, not only are we not supposed to have fellowship with them, what, what else does it tell us not to, or tell us to do? Reprove them. What's that mean to reprove it? Uh, put it away from us. Uh, don't have. Don't join in with the work of darkness. Uh, and the so yeah, to be against it, to not to not partake of it. It's wrong. It's wrong. And say it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, fellowships with work of darkness. Again, a negative application. Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 10.20. We'll be back to this passage, too, uh, for, for other reasons. First Corinthians 10, verse 20. And again, as we as we go through these these lessons, if, if I were to stand here and say that I practice this and practice some of the things that we taught, the way that this should be practiced, I, I'd be lying to you because these are things that again I know that I need to work on, and and I, I know that all of this is being the flesh. These are things that we struggle against: fellowship with the work, world, commonality with the world. I I can say that I did some things I have in common with the world. That is not a good, definitely not a good thing. Or, or fellowship with the force of darkness. First uh, Corinthians ten twenty. Brother Steve, do that for us. Also, we'll read uh, twenty one and twenty two. That's fine. That's fine. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice the devil. 
and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the devils. Do not do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? Now, Brother Steve, is there any such thing as supernatural devils? No, no, there's not. No, there's not. And that's, that's not what our lesson's about, but that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, the context was those those meats and things that were sacrificed to false gods, which was prevalent at this time. Uh, so false religion is what we're talking about. So what what are we told not to have here? What are we not to have fellowship with? Not to have fellowship with it, or, or commonality with this this false this false system of worship. Uh, and it had to do also with these, these, these eating rituals and sacrificial rituals that, that went along with the times that they lived in. They were part of the culture. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to this one. I'm not going to let Brother Steve say too much because you're going to ruin it for us. So. We're going to hold off a little bit. Hold off a little bit. Now, the next question that, that, that comes up in all of this is what brings fellowship into being? How, how, do, we, how do we achieve fellowship? And who does it involve? And what allows it to continue? How does it start? Who does it evolve? And how does it continue? Let's go to Romans ten seventeen. And this this is a whole other subject in of itself. We're not going to talk about about the way of the tree of life here per se, but this is uh, something we do need to touch on. Romans chapter ten verse seventeen. Be what? 
called. To be called. Now, we're not good. that's another subject in of itself that's, I, I think, very much abused by the... Uh, uh, by those of the mainstream religious religious world, and we're not we're not trying to uh, tie into the way that they apply this. But the word "call" or "calling" is from the Greek "kleo." It is derived from the Greek word "klesis," and when the prefix "e" is added, we have the word "ecclesius" or "klesis," which we get the word "what?" <laughs> and the ecclesia itself means "ones called out." Called out of where? The world. Out of darkness? Where else? The world? Where else? Out of what? The Gentiles. Yeah, yeah. So out of the world, out of darkness, we are called out of the Gentiles. So we have to hear the word, we have to be called or brought out by God's direction and brought into the this ecclesia, which means those ones who are called out. Acts 8.12 Let's, let's read about what our basis of acceptance is. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. Brother mm-hmm. Bobby, can you read that for us? Acts 8, 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. So what do they do? Believing the, the gospel of the kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ. They believed it and did what? Accepted it. And then what? And they fellowship with those others that also believe the same thing. Before that, I'm fishing, Brother Bobby. Baptized. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's all right. That's 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 why we do it this way. No, no, it baptized. Yes, all those things Brother Bobby mentioned is all a part of what we've been talking about here. Uh, they heard it. They believed it. Uh, the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. The truth. Uh, can we specifically define, define what the truth is? Can we? Can we specifically define the truth? <laughs> yes, uh, yes, we can. We wouldn't be here. As, as, as Christadelphians, we feel like that we, we shouldn't say feel like, we know that we can define the truth. Now, not some special ability that we have been given, but we know from the scriptures and comparing Scripture with Scripture, that we have the truth. Not a truth or part of a truth, but the truth. Uh, now, this acceptance, this, this this baptism that takes place brings us into, and, and Brother Bobby mentioned this, this fellowship. Uh, the question, next question is, is, who is this fellowship with? Let's first go to 1 John. And this is going to be one of those other passages that, we, that we're going to refer back to several times because there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of meat here uh, in not only in just this chapter, but in all of John's epistles. Uh, but First John chapter one, verses three through seven. Brother Lamar, can you read that for us? Repeat that. That's okay. First, First John. Chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Okay. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we 
unto you that you joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him. Declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay. So, Brother Lamar, who who is who is our fellowship with? With those that that, that, that he says John says here. Those that have the truth here, and like this verse says, and those that, but if we walk in darkness, if we fellowship anybody don't have the truth, then we're walking in darkness. Absolutely, absolutely, which is a negative application of that. So we have those who walk in the light, but also as it says here in this passage, uh, we think, and what we believe is the primary application is God and the Son. We have fellowship with God and the Son. We walk in the light. He uses the word we here. Yes. Which, which uh, in light of here is including some of the other apostles. Some of the other apostles also includes the believers too and, and the message that he's, he's conveying here too. Uh, so so who is it with? It's with God the Son and with and one with another. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, which is a little more specific. And again, we know these are, are very fundamental principles that we're dealing with here, but um, I believe that if we've got, if we understand this, if we understand what we talked about in this first lesson, it makes everything else make a lot more sense. First um, Corinthians 1, 9. Dad, if you could read that. Read that. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what fellowship is spoken of here? Fellowship with Christ. Fellowship with Christ. Commonality with Christ. So fellowship with Christ with a commonality with Christ. And when we talk about the principle of God manifestation, let's go to John chapter 17. Brother Tommy, can you can you read those verses? It's, it's chapter seventeen, verses twenty-one through twenty-three. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast seen me, that thou hast sent me. And the glory by which thou gavest me, I have given them, and they may be one, even as we are one. Okay. And can you read the 23rd verse as well? I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world 
may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved me, love them as thou hast loved me. Okay, now the primary application of this, this is uh, Christ's prayer uh, shortly before the crucifixion, uh, is to, to his apostles. Uh, but we, we also feel that this expands out further to, to, to the believers too. This, this, this commonality, even though the word fellowship is not mentioned here. The, well, yeah, exactly. It goes further than that, verse 20. Uh, which says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Exactly. Exactly. So the application is that it very much so further beyond just the apostles itself. Who is, who is in his initial concern as he uh, was sending them out into a very, very arduous task and spreading the gospel message to the unknown world. Now, what are the conditions that go along? There are conditions. There are specific set conditions or requirements that go along with this relationship. This relationship of fellowship with, with God, uh, with His Son, and with each other. It's not just, a, it's not just an, open, an open matter. There are very specific requirements that go along with this. Let's go back to verse 10, and we're going to read verse 7. I'm going to, I'm going to read that. First John 1 7. It says, But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And I, I believe that was Brother Lamar that read that passage. So what is the condition? What is the condition of this fellowship that is spoken to us? What do we have to do in order to maintain this fellowship? What is, what is required? Anybody? I'll leave that up. What is that? Walking in the light. Now, what exactly does light represent? <coughs> truth. It represents the truth. Now, just so that, just to clarify, right now we're not speaking of the enlightened projector here. That's not the direction we're going with when we're talking about the idea of light. It's this concept or principle of walking in the truth. You've got to walk in the truth. That has to do with belief, and it also has to do with moral practice. Um, Again, just to answer our question, let's look up a, a couple of passages. This is Acts chapter 24. Turn to Acts 24. Verse 14. 24, 14. And I'm going to read these because I know I'm running short on time, so it's, it's quicker if I can move this along and we'll continue with readings as we with the next lesson but the, Acts 24 14 but this I confess unto thee that after the way which they call heresy so worship I the God my fathers believing all things this is Paul believing all things which were written in the law and in the prophets and we have and have hope toward God which they themselves also allow that there should be a resurrection of the dead both of the just and the unjust so this idea, at least the way that Paul expresses it here, is this is a believing in all things which are what? A believing in all things which are what? Written in the law and in the prophets. Okay? A believing of all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. Okay? Now, 
Let's go to 2 Timothy 2.22. And I'll break my own little rule that I did here. I reserve the right to do that. Brother Sammy, can you read that for us? 2 Timothy chapter 2.22. It says, Flee also youthful lust, but fellow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Okay, so in, in, in Acts 24, we talked about believing the things written in the, the law and the prophets. Here in 2 Timothy, where we, we take that from belief to what? What are we talking about here? Walk. Yeah, the application of that. Application of that belief. Not just the belief itself, but in the application of that belief. So, in defining what we're talking about, it's walking in the light. What is it to walk in the light? It's to believe it and to live it. Those two things are what we're talking about in this walking in the light that is referred to in 1 John 1 7. Now, the question we come back to, and this is this is this kind of refers us back to First John. If I can get back there, this is a question. We'll open this up. What if we do not walk in the light? What happens if we do not walk in the light? We walk in, walk in darkness in the light. Walk in darkness. Yeah, verse 6 tells us that very clearly in verse 9. If you don't walk in the light, you walk in the darkness. Is there any gray area? Is there an intermediate area there that we can kind of kind of play with a little bit? Or is it one or the other? No fence travel. Is it one or the other? Walking in the light or walking in darkness? That's simple. Liars. Liars. It's pretty strong language, isn't it? Um, question. If fellowship is disrupted, if fellowship is disrupted, meaning if there is a walking in darkness rather than a walking in the light, between an individual and God in Christ, this is how it's set up here in First John, here, this fellowship that needs to be established between ourselves God and Christ, if this is disrupted, what happens to the condition of fellowship or, remembering what, what's this fellowship mean again? What does the word fellowship mean? Commonality. Commonality or partnership. What happens to this, this, this situation? What happens to this condition? There's a breach it's in it. It's broken. It's disrupted. Okay, and we're going to talk, hopefully get to this uh, later on. It's, it's not... It, it, there is a way back to that light. We don't want to leave any impression uh, that there's not. But there is a, a, a break in that. What does that do to the rest of the Christ Ecclesia too? If, if our fellowship is broken between ourselves and God and Christ, what does that do to our relationship to the rest of the Ecclesia of the body? We can sit separated from that too. In reality. 
Okay, now we're not talking about, about veneers here. We're talking about reality. So it's broken between that as well. It's broken between God and Christ. Our relationship to the Christ Ecclesia itself is also broken. Now, we have to understand that there is the absolute need of unity. Of what, what time do we need to break? Now? <laughs> we can do that. We'll come back to that. We'll go ahead and let's take a break. We'll be back at 10 o'clock. Is that okay?